0: Let me see if I can remember to push all these buttons. Well, we're going to be in Proverbs chapter 6, verse 6 through 19, but really our sermon is going to be preached out of the book of Esther. The book of Esther. We're just going to be picking some, uh, some particular verses out of that book of, of Esther. So um, we're not going to be reading a long text out of it. But we are going to uh to be looking at verses out of chapter three uh through seven. So if you if you have your Bibles open to Esther, maybe you'll be able to keep up with uh with what we're gonna be talking about. But I wanna I want to share some verses out of Psalm uh, I'm sorry, Proverbs chapter six, verse sixteen through nineteen, and uh I put something out on Facebook about this the other day. I was um, talking to some church members here in their home about it just the other day. These are the seven deadly sins that are mentioned there. In verse 16, it says, These six things doth the Lord hate. Yea, even seven are an abomination unto Him. A proud look, a lying tongue, Hands that shed innocent blood. A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. Feet that be swift in running to mischief. And a false witness. A false witness, of course, is another way of saying a lying witness that speaketh lies. And he that soweth discord among the brethren. It's amazing to me that in the seven abominations of the seven deadly sins... The God writes down there in those verses. He, uh, he mentions lying twice. Just lying in general in the first sense of the word uh, is mentioned. But then he also mentions it again, speaking of a courtroom situation, for somebody to be a liar on a testimony concerning somebody else. So uh, if you go to court, make sure that you don't lie. Because for God to mention it twice in the seven deadly sins means that God really does hate a liar, a liar. Uh, But what I put this on Facebook about was not about lying. It was about abortion. And uh, the reason that I put it out there on abortion was because every one of these seven deadly sins have an application abortion. Remember what these seven deadly sins uh, say in verse 16, uh, 17 it says a proud look. Pride. A lying tongue. Innocent blood. Shedding innocent blood. What is more innocent than an unborn child? A heart that deviseth wicked imaginations. What's more wicked than to imagine murdering your own child, that you might have a better, more carefree life. Feet that are swift to running to mischief, and a false witness that speaketh lies, and he that soweth discord among the brethren. Well, all of those things are applicable in people's lives who are involved in the abortion trade. I also realize that In Esther, in the book that we're going to be talking about here in verse 3, we realize that there is a man here by the name of Haman. And he is lifted up in pride. And that's going to be the topic of our sermon. Pride goeth before destruction. You've heard it said before that pride goeth before a fall. But the Bible actually says that pride goeth before destruction and a haughty spirit before a fall. And that's in Proverbs chapter 16, verse 18. But Haman's name means magnificent. And I believe that in Haman's eyes, he actually was magnificent. And the reason was, was because the king of that day had promoted him and given him a position of power and authority. And that went straight to his head into his heart and we find out that instead of really being magnificent we found out that his character is actually proved to be contemptible why give you a little bit of background about esther there was a queen in the land named vashti and the king wanted her to come dance at a party that he was having and uh, she said, no, no, I'm not going to degrade myself like that. I'm not going to dance for a bunch of men. Pull off my clothes in front of them just so you can be entertained. King said, fine, that's okay. And he got him another queen. <laughs> and of course, we know that God was in it. God says for uh, Mordecai said, not Mordecai, but yeah, Mordecai said, and that's, that's uh, Esther's uncle. How do we know before a time such as this that God put you in the position of queen that you might have an influence for your people? So I want you to realize this, first of all, that God is in control of kings and queens and rulers and kingdoms and people. Even even lowly people like Mordecai and like Esther. These were poor Jewish people in a foreign land and they've been taken captive there and yet God uses them for his glory and his honor. And he moves Esther into the position of the queen. Sitting beside the king. And she has his ear. And we realize that in chapter 3. If you'll turn to Esther. And look at chapter 3 in verse 1. You'll see the beginning of our story. It says after these things did King Ahasuerus promote Haman. The son of Hammedatha?" The agite and, uh, agagite and advanced him and set his seat above all the princes that were with him. So he had a blessing. You can say, did it come from God? Well, uh, I believe that God raises kings to kingdoms and to thrones and even to positions of authority and, and, uh, that we have here in our life here in America. I believe God put me behind this pulpit. I believe God put me as the chaplain out at the prison where I served for 25 years. And how we use that power and authority or position for the glory and honor of God is all that counts in our lives. God has called you to a specific purpose in your life. Do you think that God doesn't know how we're going to use that position of ministry? Certainly, he knows before we're ever born what he's going to do in our hearts, whether he's going to draw us into Christianity, whether we're going to become a child of God. Those are things that are already known only to God before the foundation of the world. But if we use that humbly and we use it for the glory and the honor of God. If we live our Christianity out in the eyes of the world, that we might be submissive and humble to the Lordship of Jesus Christ, and that we might reach into other people's lives, we'll be blessed. But if it goes to our head, do you know that that actually goes to some people's head? Wow, I'm a Christian. God chose me. God reached into my heart. God changed my destiny. Jesus died for me, and all of those things have a way of puffing people up in pride and arrogance. My friend, we're going to learn the story of Haman and how that worked out in his life by taking the blessings of God and using them in a self-serving manner and what the ultimate cost of that in his life was. He was promoted. My friend, it is uh, a privilege and an honor to be called a Christian. It's a privilege and an honor to be given whatever it is that we're given in this world. Not everybody's been called to the pulpit or to the ministry uh, as, a, as a full-time ministry, but every one of us as Christians has been given a job to do for God. And with the greater, you know, the power and the greater the responsibility, then also is the greater the cost if we stumble, falter, and fail and do, don't use that, that power and responsibility and authority Uh, wherewithal, whatever it is that God has given us for His glory and His honor. I believe this, that the opposite of pride is humility. And humility is the only insulation, the greatest insulation that we have from the things of the flesh and the enemies of Christ. You know what the enemies of Christ are. I talk about them all the time. You've got the old nature, the flesh, that lives on the inside of us. That's the greatest enemy that we have. You have the world, this godless system that we live in. And of course, you have the arch enemy of God, which is Satan, and the demonic realm around us. And for us to walk humbly through this life, to submit and surrender the lordship of our heart, our life, our time, our talent, everything that God has put into our possessions, we become stewards of another man's stuff. And how we use that stuff, whether it's money or whether it's time or whether it's talent, whether it's authority, whether it's, you know, I don't i don't know. Maybe you're the, you know, Prince of Wales or the King of England or the President of the United States. But if we become puffed up in our hearts and in our minds, we become prideful and arrogant because of the promotions that God has given us in this life. There is a price to pay. Of course, there is a reward to reap. If we surrender and submit and become humble before the Lord. Matthew chapter 11 and verse 23 says, Let him that thinketh he stand take heed, lest he fall. And what we're talking about here this morning is falling in pride. Through grace, every Christian has been promoted by the King of heaven. You do realize that that just from lost to saved, has been the greatest promotion that you'll ever receive in this life. And that we should be careful as to how we use that. Let us see that we walk worthy of such a high calling As Christian, I like that word, that name, that title. Christ means anointed one, and yen means little. So if Christ is the anointed one, we are little anointed ones that are called by God to live a life that brings glory and honor to Him. Well, we see the promotion of Haman in chapter 3 and verse 1, but you look down to chapter 3 and verse 5, and you'll see that That because of that pride, because of that promotion, because of that arrogance, he became easily offended. In verse 5, well, let's back up to verse 4. It says, Now it came to pass when they spake daily uh, unto him, and he hearkened not unto them. Speaking of Mordecai, they were asking, Mordecai, why why don't you bend the knee? Why don't you bow the head? Why don't you give obesance and reverence to Haman the way everybody else had? When they didn't listen, when he didn't listen to them, that they told Haman that Mordecai wasn't doing what he was commanded to do to see whether Mordecai's matters would stand. For he had told them that he was a Jew and being a Jew, you don't bend the knee, you don't bow the head, you don't, you don't give obeisance to anybody other than God. And certainly we shouldn't have anything on the, the throne of our hearts. The throne of our homes, the throne of our minds, the throne of our soul, other than the Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. Verse 5 says, And when Haman saw that Mordecai bowed not, nor did him reverence, then was Haman full of wrath. He became offended. He was puffed up. He was arrogant. And he, he looked down his long, uh, not religious, but self-righteous nose. That the people around him that were supposed to honor him for who he was and the honor that the king had given to him. And he was angered because Mordecai, this simple Jew, this lowly, disgusting Jew from not even our own nation, is coming here. He's He's sitting at the gate of the king. Who does he think he is? Why does he not bend the knee and bow and give me the reverence that I'm supposed to have? Do we think men, women, boys and girls of the world are going to bend the knee and give us reverence just because we're Christians, because you're a pastor, because you're a preacher, because you're a deacon, because you're a minister of some type of the word of God and everybody in this room, if we're saved, we are ministers of the word of God. And sometimes we think because we are the children of God that get well, listen, I'm telling you, we're no better than anybody else. There are no great men of God. There are only men of a great God. And we shouldn't look at ourselves through rose-colored glasses just because of what God has done in our hearts, in our homes, in our families. We realize that the servant is no greater than his Lord. What does the Bible say about Jesus Christ? Or what does Jesus in the Bible say about Himself? He says, listen, if they hated me, they're going to hate you. If they came against me, they're going to come... Against you, and we need to realize that the world is always easily offended by Christians. By people who take a real hardcore stand for the truths of Jesus Christ. For the Word of God, for the holiness of God. And and for the worthiness of He and He alone, His worship. For us to worship Him. Nobody else deserves that. And we should not be divided. We realize that a man cannot serve God and money. He's either going to love the one and hate the other or tend to the one and let the other you know, slide. But we should have God on the front burner of our hearts and our homes and our families. Not only was He promoted to that position of authority and power and then He became offended easily when people didn't give Him the reverence that He was due, but then He, he became boastful. He started telling all of his friends, you see, Vashti comes to the king and he says, listen, she says, listen, he said, what do you want from me? And she says, well, here's, here's what I'm asking. I want you to let us have, you know, a party and it's going to be for you and for me. And I want you to invite Mordecai. It's just going to be us and Mordecai. Mordecai is standing there listening to that. And boy, he is thrilled. He says, oh man, the king has already given me a position of authority greater than all of the princes and now the queen is coming to the king and asking for a party and nobody to be there except for me to be in attendance. And he goes out to all of his friends and starts bragging about who he is and what he's done. In verse 11 of chapter 5, you look at that and it says this. It says, and Haman told them of the glory of his riches The multitude of his children and all the things wherein the king had promoted him and how he advanced him above the princes and the servants and the king. And he was just elated in his own heart, in his own mind and started bragging to the people. You know, the Bible says in Proverbs chapter 10 in verse 2, it says the treasures of the wicked profit nothing. Nothing though we be arrayed in the finest jewels and clothes, though we have a bank book that is too fat to fit in our hip pocket, all of those things are absolutely worthless when we have a wicked heart and a proud and boastful mouth. It goes on to say Paul in Romans chapter one and verse thirty, he says, Proud boasters are inventors.' Of evil things. And I want you to realize. That in the verses ahead. That we're coming to. We're going to realize. Just how true that is. In. In Haman's life. Because he starts. Hating this man named. Mordecai. This simple Jew. That the king. Has taken a liking to. And allows him to sit outside of his gate. And he's blessing him. Oh he realizes. That uh, that Vashti. Is related. To. And that has not hurt Mordecai's position at all. But in Haman's eyes, they are worthless refuse. They are in the way of what he wants. And he starts scheming and he starts wondering how it is that I can get rid of this man. Ephesians Ephesians 2.9 again says, our spiritual promotion is, the Bible says, not by works of righteousness which we have done, but according to His mercy. So even the salvation that we have, Ephesians 2, 8, 9, and 10, For by grace are you saved through faith, and that not of yourself, it's a gift of God. When we start forgetting the position that we have, the blessings that we have, and we start raising ourselves up in arrogant self-righteousness and prideful disobedience, when we start boasting about the things that God has blessed us with and not others. We start looking down our religious noses on those who presumably are less. We are setting ourselves up. Remember the title of the message, Pride Goeth Before Destruction. Well, now he becomes a vengeful. When he realizes that he has commanded that all of the people give him obesance and that they, they worship him practically, that they bow and they, they give him the notoriety that he is due, and he realizes that Mordecai is not following suit, he's not following in line. It's like, get in the hole, right? And he won't get in it. He won't, he won't measure up to the standard that Haman has for him. And he's bragging before these friends of his and they give him some advice. They says, well, here, here, let me, let me tell you what you need to do. You look at verse 14, chapter five, verse 14. And it, it reads like this and, and said, uh, Zeresh, his wife and all of his friends unto whom he had been, been bragging. He says, let, let a gallows be made of 50 cubits. That's 75 feet. A, a cubit is about a foot and a half. The tip of your finger to the elbow And 50 cubits, that's a foot and a half per cubit. So we're looking at about a 75 foot set of hangman's noose up there. He wants it up where everybody can see it. I want you to to build a noose big enough for all of the people to see. And tomorrow speak unto the king that Mordecai may be hanged thereon. Then go thou in merrily with the king unto the banquet. You can go before the king, before the queen, and you can be the only notarized one there. And the thing pleased Haman, and he caused the gallows to be made. You see, he was vengeful. You look at verse 13, back up one verse. And it says, Yet all of this availed nothing to me. He, he was bragging about all the blessings that he had. All the promotions that he had, all the riches that he had, all the servants that he had. And he said, I am so bitter, I am so angry, I am so jealous, I am so prideful and arrogant that I cannot enjoy anything that God has given me because of that man, Mordecai. All of this avails me nothing as long as I see Mordecai, the Jew, sitting in the king's gate. So his wife and his friend says, well, here's what you do, kill him. You have the power, you have the authority. Build the gallows, build it tall. Build it high, such as your stature, as tall as you are, as big as you are, you build the gallows big enough to match your notoriety, to hang Mordecai on and you can be done with that stinking Jew. You know what the Bible of God says? It says vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. Sometimes we look around the world and we see people who have done us wrong and instead of being Christian and forgiving, instead of reaching in our hearts and finding the grace of God to overlook people who don't give us the notoriety that sometimes you feel like you might need or have and instead of being Christian and forgiving, we become angry, we become arrogant, we become self-centered, narcissistic, prideful. And we want to reach out and lash out and hurt. We want vengeance against those people who have done us wrong. And I'm just saying that, my friend, when we do that, we are inviting the wrath of God into our own hearts and our own lives, our own homes and our own families. Vengeance is mine, saith the Lord. I and I alone will repay. You leave that up to me and I'll take care of it better than you ever could. But more to, but Haman Could not do that. He couldn't let it rest. He couldn't let it go. He says, I'm going to do whatever it takes to get rid of this man out of my life. And he becomes overconfident. You look at the next chapter, chapter 6 and verse 6, and it says this, So Haman came in, and the king said unto him, he sends his servants. He says, is there anybody in the court, any, any wise man, anybody that can give me an answer to a question that I have. And some of his servants says, well, Haman's out there in the court. Why don't we go get him for you? He says, do that. You bring you bring him in. And he comes in in verse 6. So Haman came in and the king said unto him, What shall be done unto the man whom the king delighteth to honor? <laughs> and Haman thought to himself, to whom would the king delight to honor more than me? Obviously talking about me, right? He asked me to come in and He's wanting to ask me what it is that I want as a blessing for being who I am. Over confident in who He is. In His own eyes instead of who He is in God's eyes. When we tend to think more highly of ourselves, you see, that's what we do. We lift ourselves up in pride and arrogance and we think more highly of ourselves than we ought to. And instead of being blessed by God, ultimately it costs us a price and we become cursed when we think more highly of ourselves. And that cursing brings disappointment. You look at chapter 6 and verse 10. Then said the king unto Haman. Now, Haman told the king, he says, here's what you need to do for the man that you love, the man that you, you blessed, the man that you want to honor. You take your clothing, your best kingly, royal clothing, and you put it on him. You put a nice crown on his head. One of those big long capes that drape off of his back and put him on your finest horse. Let that cape be dragging behind the horse and you riding through the streets. You let everybody see what a great guy he is. And of course he's thinking all the time that he's the one that's going to be on the king's horse wearing the king's apparel. Being patted on the back and the people crying Hosanna to the King. Amen. Kind of like they did to the Lord when he came riding through the streets on a donkey. And now he gets the answer from the King in verse 10. And the King said to Haman, make haste and take the apparel as you said, take the horse as thou hast said and do even so to Mordecai the Jew. Can you imagine? the dagger in his heart when he heard those words. Oh, it's not for you. You you thought I was talking about you. No, not you. You've already been given yours. But I want to honor Mordecai, the Jew, and I want you to go get the horse, and I want you to go get the raiment, and I want you to take them and to give them to him. Very humbly. Revelation. The only problem is, is that it should have been humbling, but it wasn't. It just made him matter. Is that a word? Matter. Made him more angry. He hated Mordecai even more than he had before. The Bible says that God has a way of His own of making appointments for people and he led do you understand this is god behind the scenes of this story using all of the players to lead mordecai esther the queen haman the arrogant to the very destination that he purposed for each and every one of their lives Isaiah chapter 61 in verse 3 He knows how to turn our mourning into dancing and when to put praise for the spirit of heaviness Psalm 31:11 of course we read that a while ago my friend, when, when the world is coming against us as the children of God and we humble ourselves, God, is, God says if we'll humble ourselves, He'll undergird and He'll lift us up. But if we don't humble ourselves, then God will humble us instead. And then you see the ultimate outcome, the doom of Haman. You remember the 75 foot tall gallows standing outside. You look at chapter seven and what happens is that the queen comes to the king and tells what has been done. And he says, Well who who in the world would do that? And she said, It's that wicked Haman. And he says, Well you go you go send some servants and you bring him out back to the gallows that he built for Mordecai. You look at verse 10. I'm sorry. Yeah, verse 10 of chapter 7. And it says, "Though so they hanged Haman on the gallows that he had prepared for Mordecai. Then was the king's wrath pacified. You see, the activities of the servant Mordecai And uh, Haman, he had been given a position of authority. He had been given a position of press. All of us have been given that position of Christian, of servant to the Lord. And when instead of becoming a servant of the Lord to the people around us, we begin to lift ourselves up and think that we ourselves are Lord. And there is a price to be paid for the pride and the arrogance of the heart of any man, woman, boy, and girl, on the face of the earth. It matters not whether you are lost or saved. Pride is pride. And remember in the seven abominations that I wrote, read, God hates pride. He hates a lying tongue, but He hates pride. And it doesn't matter who has it or where it comes from. There is only one answer to Pride. And that's destruction. Pride goeth before destruction, and a haughty spirit before a fall. Romans chapter six and verse twenty-three reads like this: "The wages of sin is death, but the gift of God is eternal life." Daniel six twenty-four says in the lion den, Daniel uh, he, he didn't he didn't get a scratch, he didn't get a scar on him. But the other the servants that threw him into the Lion's den, when he came out without a scratch, they threw him in. And in Daniel chapter 6 verse 24, it says they break all their bones in pieces before ever they came to the bottom of the den. Even before they fell to the pits of the den, the lions had already destroyed them. The gallows of judgment that came to Haman was just as high as the murderous purpose of that had filled his heart. Matthew 7, 2 says this, With what measure you mete out, it shall be measured unto you again. See, what you give is what you get. When we live a life of arrogance and pride, thinking more highly of ourselves than we ought to think, when we're not the humble, meek and lowly as the humble Galilean, then we get the same that we have placed In other people's hearts and lives. Luke 11.14 says this. And you'll have the message. It says he that humbleth himself. Shall be exalted. But he that exalteth himself. Shall be abased. The God of grace. Is also the God of judgment. And we as Christians should never forget that. We need to realize. Yes God does love us. Yes God does bless us. God will use us for his glory and his honor, but he will not use us in prideful arrogance. Let's pray. Father, we love you. We thank you for your love and your mercy. God, we ask that whatever it is that you have placed in our possession as stewards, God, that we'll use it humbly, thankfully, graciously. God, that we'll take it and break it and pray that you will multiply it and reach out into the world. and. Touch others' hearts and lives. God, we understand what your word says in Philippians chapter 2. That we're not to look on the things of ourselves, but on the things of others. And to put others before ourselves. To put you first, others second, and ourselves last. Help us, God, to live a life that brings glory and honor to you, that's pleasing to you. We'll praise you for that. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.